Welcome to TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So we told you a few days ago that we found out that Jonathan Majors uh, broke up a fight, uh, a fight between two girls, students at Hollywood High, when he was uh, at a <laughs> fast food joint waiting for a burger. Well, now we have video. Yes, and the video shows a really, really intense fight, even by high school standards, between these two girls. Um, and I would say even by UFC standards. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, uh, with several people standing around watching, not doing anything, until Jonathan popped on the scene. And um, it looks pretty heroic. Um, and I gotta say, it wasn't easy for him. They, I, it doesn't seem like the girls or anybody they, really recognized him as, uh, as a movie star. They clearly didn't recognize him. And they if they did, they didn't care. They did not care. This is Jonathan jumping in. I don't know, no one did anything. I, I mean, high school students, they're all laughing at it. They don't. They, yeah, the kids were laughing, but this was a really serious fight. It is interesting. Now, that by the way, we should say that the, the video cuts off there, the video that we got. We are told by witnesses who were there, the same witnesses who told us that this even happened. Um, at that point, they both went their separate ways and everybody probably... So we stopped the fight. Yeah. Yeah. So he did. He was effective. It took a while, but he did eventually uh, encourage them to go their separate ways. But of course, now the talking point, at least online, is, okay, mm -hmm. was this a setup? He needs some good PR. Maybe this is the ultimate PR move, because remember, he's going through some stuff on his own. He has accusations leveled against him by an ex that says he got physical with her. So a lot of people think, okay, he needs that kind of good press in, in the public eye. Now, we have no indication this is a setup or anything. The in and out is just right across the street from where this high school fight happened. It's very possible he could have been driving by, saw it happen, and thought that he needed to do something. As you see in the video, there's no teachers or staff in there, so it's a good thing that he did step in. He was actually at in and out by getting lunch yeah. uh, when he saw this. I, I, and I, 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 I have the opposite view of this thing because, really? yeah, I mean, look, he, he's being accused by an ex-girlfriend of assault, which he strongly denies. Um, if and you're is, getting by the way, is due in court tomorrow. Due in court tomorrow. If, if you're seeing a fight, I mean, the last thing you want is somebody saying, oh, you manhandled me, oh, you did this to me, oh, you did that to me. It's easier to step away from it by walking in it. And again, we got this video days later. It's not like but, this video. No, 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 I, I agree with what you're saying, but to Brad's point, what people are saying online is that it feels like a setup. If it were a setup, the video would have come out the same day. And uh, it, it, this, well, maybe that, that's too obvious. <laughs> that sounds like something from Airplane. Uh, <laughs> but I will say one thing that when you look at the video, that does seem a little strange. The white vehicle across the street is his because we saw right. him later right, in the right, day right, right. driving in it. So he stopped right. out on the street. Yeah and runs down this driveway at Hollywood High, 
to break up the fight. Is the insinuation that he got two high school girls to pummel each other so he could break it up? That's absurd. The fight, now that I will say, to, to that point, that, that goes against it being a setup, that fight went on for Forever. a long time yeah. before he stepped in and it was brutal. So the idea then is, hey, I'm gonna get two girls from Hollywood High to come out and beat the crap out of each other while I'm getting a burger and then I'm gonna run over a while later. And, and, no, and, and also, a, and a few days later, will somebody will contact TMZ and give us right. the video. And if it no. were a setup, no, somebody there would have said, "Hey, is that Jonathan Mate?" Nobody, no. In fact, the only thing you heard was someone say, "Who is that?" That was not a setup. Yeah, it does. When you look at all the signs there, no, doesn't add up to setup. Hi, my name is Sammy, and I'm from Atlanta, and I just want to chime in on this Jonathan Major situation because I honestly was scared for him to break this fight up because, like you guys said, he is going through a case right now with um, assault for a, a woman, and to break up a fight between two high school girls could potentially have been a dangerous situation for him because anyone could have said he could have done something so harm. Exactly. Well, and, and to that the video really helps him in case anybody were to say anything. You can see there was nothing he did that was across that crossed the line there. We he will see if the video helpful. we'll see if the video helps him in the case tomorrow. Well, there's no way that it would be ever be admissible. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that video. I'm Just talking about no no the video of his Oh, oh, the, the right. surveillance videos That's right. that he had. Right. That's right. Exactly. Okay, we're gonna move on. All right, yes. Uh, moving on to Sierra and Future. And uh, the status of their relationship as you know they share uh, a son future junior but sierra is now very happily married to russell wilson and in fact they're expecting their third child but uh she was doing an interview with the shade room and the interviewer decided to ask um what is going on as far as co-parenting with you in future with your son who is now nine years old and he's nine yeah I know, we've been around for a long time, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Future Junior is now nine years old. Um, but um, Sierra says a lot here with few words. With very, in fact, no words. Almost no words, but says a lot. What is uh, co-parenting like for you guys? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> Well, I guess we can the move on because we figured it the out. The only right? words were for the interviewer, Tembi, said, uh, you're awesome. And, and that's, that's all. Wow. Forgot. Everything else was just laughter. We should explain. I mean, so, we should just, it's in not, case you don't know the backstory that Sierra and Future had a child, uh, Future Junior, and um, they, they split, split up. up, and then Russell Wilson came into the picture, and Future and Russell Wilson, uh, well, Future was really upset with Russell Wilson because he felt that Russell Wilson was taking his place as the dad. Right, because there were videos with Russell playing with Future Junior, throwing the football around with him. And Future Junior calling Russell dad. Right, and so Future was bent out of shape, and in fact, just a a couple months ago, uh, on a song that he uh, featured on, he mentioned Russell and said some out-of-pocket things. The line, Charles, is, I got it out the field, 
Russell. So it was oh, not very yeah. nice. <laughs> uh, but as you guys have already mentioned, by Sierra laughing, it says a lot. We all know that the co-parenting relationship between uh, Future and Sierra has not always been the best. Hence why, you know, there was all that tension between them about the whole Russell Wilson stepping in into the place. I don't know their custody agreement. However, if Little Future is around Russell Wilson all of the time, 24-7, it makes sense of why that bond would be there. Um, but by her taking the high road and just laughing it off and not stooping down to Future's level. Know. That's taking the high road. Really? Because she didn't say anything and she could have went mm. full attack mode and stuck up like a mama bear for her baby. Oh, so let me, I uh, think hold on, Nikki. Let me ask you a question. Yesterday, when we did the story about Selena Gomez kind of sneering at yeah, uh, Chris Brown, making the face, did she yeah. say something there without using words? 100%. A woman's face says everything. We well, don't what, have to speak well, with our words. We can say it. Looks can kill. If right. the looks can kill, what about the laugh? The laugh says it all without her having to say it. That's right. why she just kept going and going and going. That's what I mean. Like, but, she didn't that, need to say anything. Thing. It's saying everything. But she Nikki, need to use my point words. is laughing for almost 40 seconds straight, <laughs> that is saying a lot. And I just don't know. And I'm not even saying she's wrong to do it, but I don't know if that's the high road because you are saying a lot. Hey, what's up? Somebody here from Detroit. Laughing says a lot more, so I just, you know, wish her the best and continue to be co-parenting in the best way that she can uh, and continue to be successful because she's doing her very big one right now, and that's all we need from her. Continue to keep the positive energy to you, Sierra. That's it. You know, I'm a big fan, so wish her all the best and love, so yeah. Well, I, it, it feels like people are on Sierra's side on this, I will say. <laughs> Sean Penn is absolutely unhinged. I think it's fair to say unhinged. I don't. Uh, I don't. You don't think it's fair to say unhinged? I don't think this is unhinged. He is, no, he is unhinged in his anger about two things. Uh, about the Oscars, and I know this sounds like an old, <laughs> old topic now, but it's relevant to what he's talking about. Uh, Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars in 2022. So hear him out, because the reason this, he's this bringing is, this up, this is really interesting. Right. So he's angry about the slap itself, and he thinks there's a way it could have been avoided. The reason this is relevant is Sean Penn uh, went to Ukraine and shot a documentary. We sat down, spent a lot of time with uh, President Zelensky, and he is upset that President Zelensky wasn't at the Oscars that year in 2022. Zelensky wanted to come and appear before, uh, appear at the Oscars because it would help, uh, it's a world stage and right. he needs that visibility. Help, help the movement. The Oscars said no. Right, so instead, so Sean Penn starts, sits down in this interview and is musing about everything that happened that night when Zelensky wasn't there. So speaking about <laughs> Will Smith and the slap, he says, why did I go to bleeping jail for what you, Will Smith, just did. Can we stop just there for a second? I just want to make sure people remember this. That yeah. back, this is a long time ago. I think it was 1987 yep. when Sean Penn attacked an extra on the movie set of Colors, and he went to jail for that. Spent and what he three days. And ago. what he was saying in that first sentence there is, "I went to jail, and look what happened to Will Smith." Right. So he says, uh, "So I went to jail for what you just did, and you're still sitting there." Why are you guys standing and applauding his worst moment as a person? This bleeping wouldn't have happened with Zelensky. Will Smith would never have left that chair to be part of stupid violence. It never would have happened. 
So he's his, lost me a little bit there, but I'm not sure he did because the tone. No, no, I know he did lose me there. Okay, he may have lost you there. <laughs> right. But I think what he's saying, and I guess it's up for debate, is the tone of the Oscars would have been more solemn, more important, um, and maybe it would have inhibited Will Smith from trying to steal the I, stage I, the I way get he that, did. But, but that assumes that I'm not the, sure I agree. Right, but I that think that assumes that's his that point. the producers of the Oscars would have changed everything about the show because. They gave a segment to President Zelensky. And I don't think that's the case. The producers of the Oscars are still trying to produce a TV show, right? And they would have still had Chris Rock do his segment. It's whether Chris Rock it, still it, would have made... It, I mean, I guess, yeah, let's say it all happened. I guess would it have inhibited him? Yeah. It's absurd. It, it's, it's an impossible statement to make. It's absurd. It's apples to oranges. It's stupid. It's, I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. What is Sean wow. talking You don't think this is unhinged, Harv? No, I, I think his, look. He's unhinged in his anger about it, as you saw in just some of those quotes. Well, there. the guy uh, not, is out not, of control always. Not he only, control himself. Not only is he angry, he has two Oscars. He has given, he, he's, he's basically he, torched He said them. he wanted to, to give them to Ukraine so they could melt no, he, them by down the way, to make No, he did give one did. of them. He gave right. one so to they, Zelensky. So they and, could make, he wants them to make bullets so they can shoot to melt it Russians. Down. I, I get it. Look, he's very but angry, but he's very committed to your point. I think the reason you, you know, brushed back me saying he's unhinged, he's just passionate about what Ukraine is going through, and he's angry that there's not more support for Ukraine worldwide to, to fight back Russia. And, he's and, that's, also, why, and but, that's why he did this documentary. Well, there, there's one other thing he's angry about. He's angry at the Academy, and he's saying, how yeah. ridiculous that they wouldn't let Zelensky come on but they have this guy who commits a crime on national, on worldwide television. That, by the way, is a crime. And don't mistake it for anything but a crime that Will Smith committed. And, and instead of acting with outrage, they applaud him but, but, when but, but, he... Well, hold on, I, hold on. I'm, I'm making his point. I'm not... Hmm. I'm, right. I, I, this isn't I me talking. I know. This is him saying... You guys wouldn't let Zelensky in, yet you applaud a guy who just commits a crime. They, they did. The Oscars did ultimately ban Will for 10 years, and I, I did think it was gross they the way the audience him. reacted. They applauded him. Hi, I'm Cham from Oakland, California, and I'd just like to say that I think I do say that Sean Penn is a bit unhinged if you tie this together with some of the other comments he's been making lately. Um, I do think that the correlations aren't necessarily correlating. He's comparing something that happened almost 40 years ago under different circumstances to something else that happened not too long ago under other different circumstances. So I think that he's just not as cogent as he thinks he is right now. And I think that I appreciate his passion for the Ukraine. But I just don't think it correlates at all. I don't know about yeah. that. Uh, we got to move on, though. Yeah, something otherworldly, perhaps. Uh, indeed, and uh, what it may mean for humanity. We're talking about uh, UFOs and aliens. Um, you know, of course, that there was the big presentation this week in uh, Mexico, Mexico. Um, of what uh, these gentlemen say is an alien life form that they found in Peru. Decades ago. So some people are talking about this and some people are actually buying into it. I am not. But I am not. I'm not even going to debate that. We got Lisa Ling out. Uh, and I, regardless of whether that thing <laughs> that was presented to the Mexican government. It, I, 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 can I just whether say, or not it that, looks like it came from Pier 1 to me. 
Exactly, and, and I looked at it and I was like, oh, so they're saying that Steven Spielberg nailed it when he made E.T. Yeah, 40 years it, ago? It, it looks that like... he knew what aliens were gonna look like? It's just ridiculous. That's my opinion. Mine too. Uh, but we asked Lisa Ling about, uh, regardless of whether you believe that is actually an alien life form, let's say there is alien life. We believe, I think we both agree on this, that there is intelligent life somewhere in the universe. I strongly believe us. that. Um, when and if they show up here, will that unite humanity? Will we all, if, if they are an enemy, if it's foe, will we all come together? Here's what we, we got Lisa Ling out at the airport and asked her about this. Her, her reaction, I love her, she is fascinating. If we found verifiable evidence of extraterrestrial, some other life, would that bring us together as a society or tear us apart? Uh, I wish I could say it would bring us together, but there are already species, living species, that inhabit the Earth with us that we have, for all practical purposes, uh, practically killed off. And, and so I would like us to see how we can respect those other species. So, I mean, we're not respectful to other species, so we probably wouldn't be respectful to an alien sort of species. I gotta say, I think she is such a thoughtful person. Yeah. And that was that such, is very it's a very take. deep, interesting, and I think accurate thought. Another day, another domino has fallen. Uh, <laughs> another show coming back, despite the fact that the writer's strike is still going on, the SAG-AFTRA strike is still going on. Bill Maher is the latest to join the ranks of talk show hosts who decided to bring their show back. He announced that he is going to return, uh, bring real time back, but there won't be any writers. So um, this is what Bill said. This is his explanation for why he's coming back. Real time is coming back, unfortunately, sans writers or writing. The writers have important issues that I sympathize with, but they are not the only people with issues, problems, and concerns. The show I will be doing without my writers will not be as good, but the heart of the show is an off-the-cuff panel discussion that aims to cut through the blank. And that will continue. So what he's doing, essentially, is the panel portion of his show will be the entire show, um, and it will be unscripted, which the panel portion always was, right. uh, but he hasn't said when he's coming back, uh, but he is coming back, and that joins uh, the talk, the view, Drew Barrymore. Uh, Drew Barrymore, the Jennifer Hudson show, so there but are cracks like, in the armor. Yeah, but just like those other hosts, um, Bill's decision is being met with a lot of scorn from people in the union. The WGA has come out and said that they will pick it. Uh, when he starts doing his show. And a lot of people just think that this is weakening the case, taking away all their leverage with the studio. One of the people who's been very outspoken about this, Greg Iwinski, who is actually on the negotiating committee for the WGA, but he's also worked uh, on several late night shows. Stephen Colbert, John Oliver. Colbert. Yeah, so he's in this, this world that Bill Maher is in, so he's joining us right now to talk about this. Greg, uh, welcome to TMZ Live. Hey, Greg. Thank you for having me, and thank you for using a picture that makes clear that I am a dumb comedy writer. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to set the tone right. That's the right tone. So, obviously, you have uh, thoughts about this. Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing is, a Bill Maher show is not returning without writers, because it's returning with Bill Maher, who is a writer and a member of the Writers Guild. So he just sent home the other writers, but there's going to be a writer on the show, and it's him. 
Uh, he's trying to thread a needle by saying he's just doing the panel part of it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, writing those bits, planning bits, putting them together, planning out the conversation that you're going to have. Yes, it's off the cuff, but you, you've got note cards and things that you're looking at that you've written and put together. So th there's going to be writing done, and that's why we'll be picketing outside. And any guest that goes on that show or one of these morning shows will be deciding to cross a picket line to get there. What about his point that, look, the strike has been going on for five months now and there is no end in sight. And although there is a lot of sympathy for the writers, there are a lot of other people who are losing their livelihoods, their homes, can't feed their families. Who are not part of the union. Who are not I mean, part of that of union. other crew members who work on the show. Which was one of the big things he said. Well, I mean, I think his whole job is to uh, try to make contrarianism look smart, and he is as successful or not as people think he is. But, uh, I am I am a dad of two kids, married, living in a two-bedroom, tiny apartment in New York City, and I have had to pay rent without income for five months. I don't think Bill Maher has any kind of economic pressure like I have, and I have not seen him pay his crews, give his crews money, take care of their rent, make, take care of their groceries. But the Writers Guild, along with SAG and with IOTSI and the Teamsters, are doing grocery delivery drop-offs, giving out grocery cards. Showrunners collected $40,000 of grocery gift cards last week to hand out to not just writers or actors, anyone affected by the strike. We are helping people get on unemployment, helping people get on COBRA, helping people make those ends meet because we understand that this is painful. Not only will we be, will we be there for IOTSI and the Teamsters and everybody else when their contracts are up, we are helping right now to give them material help to get through this strike. I would love to see Bill or any of the studios step up and meet us there. In fairness to Bill, I should say that he has said that he has been helping his staff financially. But what I, I'm wondering, if we're, we're at about the five month mark. Um, at what point does this look like a strike with absolutely no end in sight? Is it the end of the year? And then what's gonna, I guess a lot of people are wondering what's gonna happen because you know, people's tastes, um, as you know, I mean, being in this business so long, they're fickle. And, you know, people may find new ways of entertaining themselves. And when it finally comes back, it may be that a lot of the shows we're talking about become kind of irrelevant. Well, I would say two things. One is that SAG is also on strike. So even if today we just folded and gave up and, and praised the MPTP for their genius, SAG <laughs> has to negotiate an entire deal. And Fran, uh, it seems very much like she's determined to get a good deal. And I, I, you know, and I definitely support her in that. I think the other thing is, how long can a studios afford to not make their only product? How long can Netflix not make the only thing they make, movies and TV shows? How long can a network go when people turn on that schedule and there's nothing on at 8 and 9 and 10 o'clock? Uh, when that is their business, it's, I don't know how long they can go doing that. If I was if I was a donut shop and I stopped making donuts, pretty soon I'm not going to be a shop at all. But here's the thing about that, and that's a in really interesting argument, that the donut shop may have more resources than the guy who works at the donut shop. And so when you look at the studio, they at least have the funds to stay afloat, even if they're not doing well. But the attrition with the workers and the, the writers, hitting and the it's hitting them more. harder. Right. Yeah, and in the history of labor, I think that's why you have to unionize, because alone, none of us would have survived this long. I'll tell you what I hear on the line all the time from young writers, is if we don't get a deal, I'm not going to be writing TV in five years anyway. 
It's going to be freelanced. It's going to be AI. It's going to be these tiny rooms. And I won't have a job. So if the alternative is not getting to make TV or movies, not to express my tastes, then why wouldn't I fight to the end? Interesting. That's an interesting argument. Yeah. Yeah. I get Look, it. Look, Greg, get we, it. Wow. Um, for everybody's sake, hope you guys come yeah. to some agreement. Thanks so much for being with us, Greg. Greg, thank you. It. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Wow. This is a tough when situation. When you hear their side of it, they're determined, even though it, what you said is absolutely right. It's hitting them financially harder. Yeah. But um, they're determined. Wow. You this is admire a that. tough one. Okay. Taking a break. All right. When we come back, top selling artist Peso Pluma has a big concert. He's actually been playing several shows lately and he's got one coming up in Mexico, in Tijuana. But the cartel is threatening him, making death threats about what will happen if he shows up for this concert. We're going to show you where they left this threat. It is menacing. Welcome back to TMZ Live. Harvey is lactating. Um, Would you stop it? Well, I spilled we're, water. We're going to tough it out. I got, we're gonna I, I got a out. little thermos um, of water. Would you give me a break? <laughs> what? What? You have to hold up water as if we know you're not. <laughs> Are we okay, we're not doing the best this. top no. ever. Okay. okay. All right. No, serious. Get it together. Um, because actually this is really serious. Um, Peso Pluma has had a huge year. Had a number one song, Baila Sola. Um, and just was uh, on stage at the VMAs the other uh, just a couple nights ago and has been on tour. But his tour may have just hit a big roadblock and that roadblock is one of the Mexican cartels um, because he has a show that is scheduled uh, next month in Tijuana. And the cartel does not want him to do this and in fact, hung uh, several threats up around town in, in Tijuana on bridges. And that's all I would need, that's all I would personally would need to hear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was one of the banners that was just taken down this week and it translates to, this goes to Peso Pluma. Refrain from presenting yourself on October 14th because it will be your last show due to your disrespect and loose tongue. You show up and we are going to break you. Sincerely, CJN. G, that is a, a, one of, a cartel that is from Jalisco, which is where Peso Pluma is. I, I understand you want to stand up to stuff like that, but don't. <laughs> I mean, that's as clear a threat as anybody could possibly make. How could you go and expect to be safe? I agree. This is absolutely terrifying. There are things to sort of soldier on and, and, and sort of not cow to these kind of threats. But when there's a real danger presented in this way, I think the concert has to be canceled. And even the government is considering canceling them if Peso Pluma doesn't cancel it himself. It feels yes. not like a certain threat. I mean, it's, a, it, it's like they don't mess around. They don't mess around. And I guess what you really, and while, look, I'm sure Peso Pluma wants to go forward and do the show. Don't but when do you, the show. But when you realize that your audience may be, it's one thing if it's just you, but that your audience members, okay. you know. Even be, if it's not the audience members. Well, for, they for their will, sake, I for get the it. audience members' sake, he should not do yeah, the but show. Yeah, but then what you're saying is, yeah, I would go, but it's the audience member. No, it's both the audience and him. Why would you put your life on the line that way, if because, you have a threat now, you're gonna say, so I you're never gonna be able to do I, no, I get a it. show again. I get, well, you're not gonna be, be able to do a show in there. Mexico. Yeah, and that's a reality. But they kill people. These cartels, they kill people. Yeah.
Katie from Las Vegas. Um, first and foremost, I'd love to congratulate Peso Pluma on being the first Mexican artist to sing at the VMAs. That's such a huge accomplishment. Um, but yeah, hearing about this cartel threat is very terrifying. These types of threats have been made against Mexican artists before, and they've also come true. So I really hope that his management team and his security team is going to take this threat very seriously and not thinking about but the money that they're going to lose canceling a show, but about his safety and his fans' safety as well. Why yeah. are they going after him? Well, there, I, apparently there was, he had a show recently in Mexico City, and there were some lyrics that cartel members felt were, that he was referring to uh, El Chapo, he used El Chapo's real name, ah. and they just felt that's, that is the disrespect and loose tongue wow. to which they were. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, we're moving on. Yes, uh, to something else in music, something much happier uh, that we can all feel good about, especially if you're an InSync fan, because the new trailer for the Trolls sequel that is coming out, uh, it dropped today, and it includes a snippet of the song that InSync did for this movie. So you're about to hear, this is, remember, they did a little teaser where it was sort of like just some humming. Right. This is the actual song. It's like 12 seconds. It's more than we got before. Here it is. Still got it. Looks like your band-aids aren't behind you. That's all you got. <laughs> That's probably all you need to know. I mean, that gives you, I'm sure the song doesn't change a whole lot. It's got like a Dua Lipa, new disco kind of vibe to it. Uh, yeah, obviously people are excited about this. I think the song will probably do pretty well, but I'm kind of worried about the other four guys. You know, it's like the, the people mm -hmm. that go back to their ex when they know they shouldn't. They've waited decades for Justin to come back, and now they're not going to do a new album. They're not going to tour. He's just hooking up with them for this movie, and then he's just going to dump them again. I didn't realize this about the movie. The movie plot really it seems like it was written with this in mind. So I would think that the, the them doing this, the plot of the movie is Justin Timberlake voices the main character, and he is putting his band, his old band, back together. Yeah, it turns out he was in a boy band as, as a young troll, and now they're all getting back together, so it's kind of the reuniting of an old boy band. Yeah. So, Eric, Eric, if they're not going to do an album, if they're not going to go on tour, why is Justin Timberlake doing this? Because he kind of needs it at this point, honestly. You know, Justin hasn't had a hit in a minute. His last album wasn't super well received. And, uh, you know, he's got these Trolls movies. He wants us to be a hit. His last big major hit was from the first Trolls movie, I Can't Stop the Feeling. So he's trying to recreate that magic. And if it was just a new Justin Timberlake song, I don't think people would care as much. But look at all the press this has gotten because it's NSYNC getting back together. And they clearly know that there's going to be, there's just much more attention. What Eric just said is, they're aware of that, their yeah. management's aware of it, yeah. um, and they even leaned into it before the trailer came out yesterday. The, all five guys got together and did this little teaser. Do you know something? Do you know something? <laughs> I might know something. I might know something too. What's the thing you know? Oh no, I can't tell you and you tell me what you know. Well, I can't tell you what I know. Well then I can't tell you what I know. Okay, fine. Tina Howe from New Orleans, Louisiana. I think it's great that NSYNC did this. Their fans have been asking for over 21 years since they broke up for some new music or something. And the old saying is something is better than nothing. So um, I think the song's going to do really well. Of course, it's going to push more momentum for them to get back together and do something. And who knows? I mean, money talks. So they may very well in the future do uh, a tour like Backstreet did or come out with an, a new album. But I 
think it's great for the fans because, like I said, it's been over 21 years and the interest is still there. And I think that's phenomenal for all the guys and just that, you know, a, a group that has gotten um, so much press as of late for them to just come out with a snippet of something and it's been viral. Um, it shows you how much interest and how much love that the fan still has for this band that hasn't been together in over two decades. I will say, when you say something is better than nothing, not high praise. <laughs> not high praise. <laughs> the song, but the interesting, no, the song will do well, but I don't know that it's a guarantee it'll be a number one. Yeah, I mean, that'll that, be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. There. The home that at where Alex Trebek lived for decades before his death in 2020 was sold last year. His wife sold it, and apparently the new owners just decided to start completely afresh because uh, this week they've started demolition and this house is coming down. On one level, you can look at it and say, look, they sold the house and, you know, so they've moved on. But we know, uh, because Alex talked about it, however you spoke to him for uh, yeah. Objectified, about how much the house meant to him um, and what he put into it. He, his avocation was fixing up this house <laughs> um, to a point where he underwent many surgeries you know, for falling off roofs and cutting himself and doing things like that. And every time he would just go back and still do the work himself, it, wanted it, to do it. He loved it it was his passion. This is just some of what he told me. I'm a homebody. I love fixing things at home. I have probably more tools and more hardware paraphernalia than any person you have ever interviewed. I've heard from your staff that you fix stuff that you could easily have somebody come in and fix, but you love doing it. Absolutely. Why not? It's very, it's very satisfying to successfully repair something. It's satisfying to work with your hands. I mean, I told my wife the other day, I said, honey, look at my hands. I said, they're all chipped and, uh, you know, skin is getting hacked off. I said, I have a laborer's hands. Well, I mean, look, that's sad on a level, but I have to say the reality is that property values have changed over the years. Right. Um, that house doesn't really support the property that it's on. Right. And when they sold it for, I think, over $6 million, the people really bought the land. Yeah. And yeah. so that's just the way things go. Hey, this is Vinny from New York. And yeah, it is sad that, you know, uh, he put a lot of work and effort into it. A beautiful home, had the dual staircase, the home movie theater. Just shows you nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. so true. Ain't it the truth. Okay, we are, uh, I don't even have to say it. Well, I don't even have to say that it. That seems to last forever. It's your favorite time of the week. Tim is here with his rejects and ridiculous applause. <laughs> All right, so when you're on a cliff, you have to be careful if there's a little bit of water on the ground, okay? So this guy is mm -hmm. out there with a bunch of his friends. What? He's on the cliff. Oh. He's walking around. Oh, oh, there's oh. water on the ground. Oh, he didn't oh save okay. Oh, that's but a good save. He saved mm -hmm. it and he kind of did some push-ups there, but it could have been very bad. Okay. Really good save. Tim style. <laughs> Next. So some, some people think pickleball is a little boring because it's just a paddle and you hit a ball. So how about you add wake surfing and a boat? Um, <laughs> or you're going to say grenades. It, no, no. It, it's not necessarily pickleball, but it's paddle and a ball. And it's actually very impressive. that This guy's on the wakeboard, and he's paddling the ball to the guy on the boat, and the boat is moving. So I'm impressed. Let's contact all these pickleball I, I think, leagues and tell them to step I, I up the game. I think we need a punch for the last one. 
Okay, so oh here you go. You wanted action. So what happens if you want to go? Get hurt you want to go rafting, but the calm water is too calm for you. What do you do? <laughs> I don't have an answer you to that. Turn you, up the water somehow. No, you stack four rafts on top of each other. Get the whole crew. Go down the river there and uh, have a lot of fun, but... Uh, Tim, I have a question. Yeah. What is Are there the people on that bottom raft there? What, no, <laughs> what no, is going No, oh, no, no, everyone's... Oh, they're all on, lashed together. Yeah, they are wearing life jackets. Everyone's okay, so... You're sure that everyone's okay? They should be okay. I think we should measure... They should I, be I think, okay. I think we should gauge the applause based on right. the content on okay, this one. We'll okay, we'll see. All right. Thanks, Tim. See you. They don't care. They don't. They're not even listening to whatever he's... Wow, wow. Well, the guy who really scared the daylights out of Drew Barrymore um, uh, several weeks ago is now going after Emma Watson and, in fact, has been arrested uh, for something that happened at a New York Fashion Week event. Uh, Chad Michael Busto is the guy's name, and you saw in that video, he's the guy who showed up when Drew Barrymore was interviewing Renee Rapp and just started yelling, I need to talk to you, Drew. Then leaves and subsequently gets arrested by trying to break into her house. Right, he was going door to door trying to find Drew's house, so police arrested him. What was concerning them was the fact that he did not show up to get his uh, GPS monitoring uh, bracelet, right. uh, anklet. And so he was kind of on the lam. They didn't know where he was. Well, lo and behold, he shows up this week at New York Fashion Week at an event where Emma Watson is and storms into the area where the dressing rooms are and is yelling, much the way he did for Drew Barrymore, uh, yelling, I need, to, I need to see Emma Watson. I need to see Emma Watson. Um, some people, I think, recognized him. They called police, and he was arrested. This is the scariest type of this kind of guy, this stalker that there is. The guy that has invented in his own mind a relationship with the people that he is stalking. Remember when he, as you said, Charles, when he went up on stage with Drew Barrymore, he said, you know who I am, we need to talk. And that he's created, concocted this relationship that they have in his own mind. It seems like he maybe he's done the same thing with Emma Watson. There are no real solutions right now because look, I mean, the guy, what, got arrested for trespass. I mean, it's a revolving door when something like that happens. If you spend any time, which generally you don't, uh, they put you on probation. Um, and then or you're if, out. He, if he gets, and you're out. And he, even if he gets 30 days, usually that's three days or 30 minutes because of overcrowding, and you're out. And these are people who, well, you put them on probation, you get a restraining order, they're the least likely to obey it. And it's really scary for these stars. It is super scary. Uh, is Dr. Hines from Luton uh, in the UK. Uh, the, this has got to be the most extreme, weirdest case of someone taking parasocial relationship to a next level. I mean, this is insane. That's an interesting point that, you know, they think that they're connecting with them because of social media, and then they try to take it to real life. But we saw this before social media. Yeah, I mean, um, we have seen this before social media. Uh, what else do you guys want to talk about? Aaron Robbins, New York, New York, Jonathan Majors breaking up this fight. I mean, if anybody needs that publicity right now, it's him. So him looking like the good guy breaking up two girls fighting for his alleged stuff in New York. I mean, thank you. He did a good thing. Uh, one more. 
Hey y'all, this is Candy calling from Dallas. It's pretty obvious that Sierra's PR team told her not to speak on Future, which is smart, but it's so obvious that Future is a hater. He hates the fact that his ex-fiance moved on to a better looking, more handsome athlete with way more money. Beyonce's birthday celebration, which started actually on her birthday, September 4th, here in LA, continued once her concert was over. Uh, turns out she and the fam went to French Polynesia. Not just anywhere in French Polynesia, they went to a private island. It's actually known as the Brando, uh, as the resort that's there. It's a private island that Marlon Brando used Inhabited. to Inhabited, yes. This is the villa. They rented out several villas. I'd imagine she brought some extended family as well. They were there for several days. It is up to $20,000 night. You don't give Beyonce a deal. I mean, that's the going rate. I don't know if they're giving her a deal, but I want to I, I want to talk about relativity here. So that's a lot of money, obviously. Sure. Compare it to Magic Johnson. How much does he pay per week for the yacht? We, you know the answer. Uh, to this. I've forgotten. One point two million dollars. Right. This is like a Motel Six. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Only you could say that.